0: Hi, I'm John Narrell, and welcome to the Mid-Career GPS Podcast. If you're feeling stuck in your career and overwhelmed by what steps to take, I can help you. As an executive and career transition coach, I help my clients prepare, position, and promote who they are and what they do to show up and find a job they love or love the job they have. It's time to start building your mid-career GPS. So let's get started. Hey, Boo. Oh, my God. How is everybody today? I am so excited you are here, Boo. We are going to have an amazing. Ugh. Ugh. That just annoys the heck out of me. <laughs> Because today we are going to talk all about interviewing pet peeves, both from my standpoint as a candidate, as a former hiring manager, and now as a current executive and career transition coach. I'm going to talk to you about all the things that grate on my nerves when it comes to interviewing and things that I personally believe you should not be doing. When you go into an interview and hiring managers, you need to listen to this as well because there are things in here for you as well that can also be a turnoff to any potential candidates and could actually impact them deciding on not going to work with you after you make them an offer. So again, we're talking all about interview pet peeves. I want to welcome you back to the podcast today is episode number 28. And this is episode number four in a current arc that I am doing around all things related to interviewing tips and best practices. So if you have not caught the three previous episodes before this, I certainly would love for you to go back and take a listen to those as well. And also, as you're listening on Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen, kindly rate and review and subscribe or follow because that will certainly help grow this podcast. And I've been really grateful and touched by the positive feedback the last few episodes have received. And we are just going to continue this with all of these pet peeves today. So I want to walk you through my top 10 pet peeves. And I want to go into a little depth with some of these, perhaps a little bit more than others, but these are things, these are are my experiences, my perspectives, but I also think these are potential pitfalls that you could fall into that could make a decision as to whether or not to offer you a job um, challenging or difficult, Remember, when you get to that interview stage, you as well as the company are interviewing each other to decide if it's a fit, if it's a match, if we're going to do some work together or not. And so you both want to be able to put your best foot forwards as much as possible while still showing a little bit of your personality and yourself in this whole entire process. Because after all, no one wants to hire a robot or someone who is just... Uh, too robotic or no personality whatsoever. So let's just go right ahead and dig into this. I promise you, I am not going to call you boo. I am not going to say things like, oh my God, or whatever (laughs) like that, because those things just tend to get on my nerves a little bit. So here we go. All right. Number 10. Pet peeve number 10 is all about not following up. Now, if you listen to the previous episode, which is all about interview tips and best practices, numbers one through five, you'll recall that one of those was actually number one, had to do with setting ground rules or agreements about next steps. Following up is key in this process. And one of the things that honestly has really tugged on my heartstrings a lot as I have talked with active job seekers and even with my clients who have been actively interviewing, is that sometimes the process can be a little inhumane. It can almost be a little bit mean. Companies can ghost you. Companies can not follow up or follow through on what they had promised. And yes, as the employer, they hold all the cards in terms of offering you the job, but not following up, whether it be from the organizational side or even from the candidate side is definitely a pet peeve. If you end an interview and you make agreement about next steps or you're going to follow through with maybe some documentation or a link to something or you're like, oh, I'm going to connect you with this person, whatever it may be, and you don't do that. That, to me, is a pet peeve. Uh, Interviews are all about coming from this place of value and service, and one of the easiest things we can do to serve everybody in the process is just following up when we say we're going to. So from a company standpoint, if you say you're going to let a candidate know by a certain date and time, please do. If you're a candidate and... You make next steps with somebody and you say to them, look, I understand things may get busy and if for whatever reason you're not able to follow up with me by such and such a time, is it okay with you if I follow up with you on the following business day or the following Monday? And they say, yeah, that would be great. And you don't do that, that's shame on you, right? So let's, let's honor and acknowledge the things that we say we're going to follow up with and we're going to go ahead and do it. All right, pet peeve number nine is about using too many buzzwords. If you've followed me for a while, you know that I have shared the story in the past about when people say that they need to be hired because they're a great team player. I don't know if you play on a team the same way I do. When we use buzzwords, we're assuming that we have a shared understanding or familiarity around that concept. We may not. If you happen to use a buzzword, take some time to describe what that means to you. It's partly the reason why I wrote my book, Show Up, Six Strategies to Lead a More Energetic and Impactful Career, was to define in a very particular way for me what showing up looks like. And that's why I defined them in terms of those six strategies. But buzzwords, especially if you use too many of them, can be a turnoff to some employers. So whatever the current buzzwords are in your industry, um, also another thing to watch out for, just as an aside here, is if you tend to speak in acronyms or what I like to call alphabet soup, make sure you explain or describe at least what they mean, okay? Right. So, for example, if you say, Well, I'm using this POS, we're talking about point of service and not something else. Okay. So, let's just go ahead and define those acronyms whenever we need, but watch your buzzwords, watch them. Not everybody knows exactly what you mean. So, you need to describe that. Okay. Pet peeve number eight is all about interrupting, and that is for both parties in the interview process. Now, as a candidate, I think it's a really bad move for you to be interrupting the interviewer or the hiring manager, especially when it comes to you think you know what the question is and you're just going to go ahead and answer it. They may take that question in a different direction, so you don't really know the question until they have paused. They've asked you, and then they have paused waiting for you to respond. Interrupting is rude. and. It can happen, albeit very um, genuinely in some ways, right, where you get excited and you want to share that information and you kind of jump the gun in terms of answering your response. Interviews are like that dance. I talked about that in the last episode. And you want to be invited to the next one or you want to be invited to for the job. Be careful about how you might be interrupting and the message that it might convey. If you do happen to interrupt, kindly apologize, said, I'm really sorry for interrupting, please finish. And as a hiring manager, the only time that I would say to you it is appropriate for you to interrupt is if a candidate is taking way too long in their responses and you are at risk of running over, especially when you have other candidates that may be lined up to see that day. So you may wanna interrupt and say, excuse me, but I am gonna interrupt you here. We need to be respectful of time. There are a few more questions I need to ask you before we wrap up at such and such a time. We're gonna go ahead. That I think is okay, but just generally." generally interrupting for the sake of getting your point across, don't do that in an interview. All right, number seven has to do with not dressing appropriately. And I I don't mean to overlook this one, but especially what we've seen in the past year or so plus with a lot more people on virtual conference calls and, and Zoom meetings and the like. If you're going to an interview you need to be fully dressed right it's not just the jacket the shirt tie and a pair of shorts put the suit pants on okay put the right dress shoes on there's a lot of there's a lot of good qualities here about energetically being fully dressed and professionally dressed for the interview because it does set a tone I am a firm believer that you should always try to match the appropriate tire given the interview. Some recruiters do a great job of helping candidates and simply saying, look, we are a business casual. Um, You don't feel like you need to wear a jacket and tie, but certainly be business casual. Things like that, understandable, but... Make sure you're dressing appropriately. And if you go back to a couple episodes ago in episode 26, where I talked about how you are virtually showing up on camera, you want to make sure you are framed accordingly with your eyes in the top third of the screen. And we see your high, your eyes, your neck, a little bit of your shoulders, and you are framed accordingly in that Zoom box or, or Microsoft Teams box, whatever that is. But, um, but take the time to dress appropriately. Uh, when you don't, it does come across as a message of, I just really don't care that much about the job, or I don't care that much about seeing you today. That may not be your intention, but don't let it be received that way. Don't, don't give somebody an option to even think that, okay? All right, pet peeve number six is having no personality. There is nothing worse than going into an interview and meeting with someone and they talk like this. Or you ask them a question to tell them about themselves and they say something like, well, I've been working at this company for five years as a project manager. And prior to that, I worked for seven years at such and such a company as a project associate. And I went to school at such and such university and got my degree in business. Snooze fest, right? (laughs) Nobody wants to really spend a half hour or an hour with somebody who doesn't at least energetically match or is slightly a little bit below where that of the interviewer is. And hiring managers, I get it. Sometimes interviews can be an absolute energy drain, especially if you are spending the majority of your day or several days in a row interviewing candidates for a position. Remember, they're looking forward to meeting you. You should be looking forward to meeting them as well. So it's important that you come across energetically with some personality as well. If you decide to share an appropriate joke and you think it's funny, you can laugh, right? If the joke is really corny or it's one of those kind of, you know, dad jokes, right? You know, why was six scared of seven? Because seven, but a ba-da-cha. Um, yeah, you could, <laughs> okay, all right, fine, whatever. I mean, it, sometimes people do use jokes as a way to kind of break the ice a little bit, but have a personality. Let's face it, if you're gonna work somewhere, people wanna know you breathe and have a pulse. So have a personality and all of that. All right, number five. This one tended to drive me nuts when I was hiring. Is being vague or uncertain as to why you want the job. Now, I talked about this in terms of an interview best practice a couple of episodes ago in saying that you need to be really clear about why you want the job. I have had candidates come in for interviews and they have said things like, I'm not really sure what this job is. I've been interviewing so much lately. That does not help you. In fact, I often think that's an automatic disqualifier. You can't manage all of the interviews you're going on and you show up to an interview and you have no idea what you're interviewing for. I would never put someone like that in front of a client because I feel like they don't have their stuff together. Be clear about the position you're interviewing for and why you want it. Don't tell me things like, well, I need a job. Or, I don't know, I've been unemployed for eight months and it's getting kind of scary and I need a job. Come from that place of value and service as to why you're going to be an asset to my organization as opposed to a detriment. Right, I don't want you to be a liability. I want you to be the best thing to ever walk into my door, right into my office, into my place of business, onto my team. Those were the things that I was looking for. And if somebody couldn't answer as to why they wanted the job, I questioned their motivation and their reasoning behind that. So if you're interviewing for a job, have a really good answer as to why you want it, because more than likely, you're going to be asked. Okay? Now, that ties in with number four, I sorry, it ties in with number four here in that it is about not being prepared, okay? You need to be prepared as much as possible about the organization, why you want to work there, what they do, the kind of work that they do and why that's important to you, right? Know as much as you can about the company. You should be looking at their website. You should be looking for any kind of mission or vision statement. You should be getting clear about who they help and what they help people do specifically because that could tie into sharing your unique professional value, right? If you have an opportunity to connect with somebody on LinkedIn that you know works at that company that may or may not be interviewing with you, absolutely connect with them. I get asked often if they know the person they're going to be interviewing with, should they look at their LinkedIn profile and send them a connection request? My answer is always yes. Now, in that introductory message that you have about 300 characters to share, you, I, I would simply say, look, I, I happen to know you work at such and such a company. I'm very curious about the work that you and your company are doing. Would love to connect and be a valuable resource for you right? You may even say, if you feel comfortable enough, you may say, hey, I just recently applied for a position at your company. I'd love to connect with you. Whether I'm interviewed or not, you seem like a great person to have in my network. What's going to happen? They're either going to accept your request and respond. They're going to accept your request and not reply to your message, or they're not going to accept you as a connection at this point. But If you are able to see their LinkedIn profile and they have it public, there are things that you might be able to learn about them in terms of what they currently do at that company, where they worked previously, look at their skills and endorsements, look at the recommendations they've received as well as the ones that they've written so you learn a little bit more about them. Be as prepared as possible going into that interview, because the more you know, the better off you're going to be. All right, pet peeve number three is all about answering questions too quickly. I firmly believe that there is absolutely no way that you can practice or prepare For every single question you are going to be asked at a given interview, I do a lot of work with my clients on helping them tell their story and and putting information into their story buckets that they can pull from. Some people call them story banks. I like to think of them in terms of buckets. Knowing your story is absolutely going to help you answer any question you're either not going to know the questions ahead of time or you're not going to know the follow-up questions you're going to be asking. And even if you do know the questions ahead of time, you never want your answers to be very rote and robotic. It's one of those things that I'm seeing now with either one-way or virtual interviews where people may be posting notes all over the place and they're trying not to read them, but they can't help. And so they're kind of catching their notes a little bit here and there. When we answer questions too quickly, everything sounds very rehearsed. And rehearsed in an interview to me is never as good as just being fully prepared, right? If you were asked a question about why should we hire you for this position? Yes, there are some things you should clearly communicate and you should know them very, very quickly but you also do not want to come across like this. Find a way to be conversational in tone. Find a way to weave in different aspects of the conversation. If you get asked that question toward the end of the interview, there should be things that you and the interviewer have already discussed in the scope of that conversation that you can relate back to. Interviewers, good interviewers, like to know that you're able to think on your feet. You are able to listen and pull in components of previous conversations that you're attentive and aware of what's going on around you. So, when we answer questions too quickly, it comes across as feeling very rehearsed. And that I think is something you want to be careful of not doing. Don't come across as being plastic or rehearsed, right? Plastic just being very rigid and structured. Come across as being competent and confident. When you know your story, that's how you can do that. All right. The last two pet peeves here are, are something that that clearly is, is in the marketplace right now that you need to be aware of. So pet peeve number two is just simply not being good at the virtual interview, right? If you show up to an interview and you're not fully charged, either you yourself or the technology you're using... Don't interrupt an interview because you have to go find your cable and plug it in. It should already be plugged in when you're having that interview. Okay? You need a good camera. You need a good microphone. You need to know the platform you're working on. A year or so ago, companies might give a pass to certain people if the technology wasn't exactly where it should be. But a year plus now after the pandemic and a lot of us working remotely, you need to be far better at the virtual interview. You need to know how you're showing up on camera. You need to know how you're presenting yourself on camera. Your background needs to be professional. And if you're not good at the virtual interview, then your chances, in my opinion, are gonna be pretty slim. Right, and then lastly, my my number one pet peeve, and this is something that I learned to get really good at when I started interviewing, and I did get a little experience under my belt. But it was also something I looked for with a very astute and keen ear and eye when I was interviewing people was how were they telling their story? My pet peeve here is that people who don't tell a clear story. A story needs to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Whether you choose to use the STAR method for answering interview questions as a particular protocol, or you take me on this arc in your story that tells me what happened at the beginning, what happened at the middle, what happened at the end, and what was your role in all of that? Where did you add value? And I want you to be able to tell me that story in a nice two-minute package. I don't want you to ramble. I want you to tell me a clear story and imagine pulling me along with you that there are details and embellishments and and color to the story that I can follow along and see what was going on in my mind as you're telling me the story so I get to know you better. When people don't tell a clear story, we lose interest. And when we lose interest in someone, we don't want to engage with them. Right? We don't want to engage with them anymore if they're not holding our attention. And I'm not saying that you need to be all bells and whistles all the time in telling your story. Because some of the best responses I have ever received in an interview when I was hiring were from people who weren't overly magnanimous or had these you know, bright and bubbly kind of personalities, but they knew their stuff, they knew their story, and they knew how to tell it that was very genuine and authentic to them. And that's what kept my interest in wanting to learn a little bit more about them. So get really good at telling your story. And as a coach, this is where I shine and I get to help my clients in getting far better at knowing all of these different aspects of themselves about who they are as a professional and why that's valuable to someone in a new organization. And when you get better at telling your story and telling that story from a place of value and service, amazing things start to happen. And it starts with transforming you and your mindset and outlook into what you are going to bring to a new role or to a new organization. Oftentimes, when people go for an internal promotion, they might think that they're entitled or more deserving of it because they've been in the role for a certain period of time. That is not a guarantee. And if companies are only moving people into roles because of a certain amount of time in service and they're not valuable or they don't demonstrate the competencies of that new role, we need to have a larger conversation there. We need to be moving the best talent into positions because of the value they are going to bring. Not because they've spent five years in the role, and if we don't hire them, they're going to be upset and miserable. When you can tell your story from a place of value and service, you showcase who you are as a professional at the best possible level you can. So if you can't, if you don't tell your story, figure out a way to tell your story better. You have to practice it. You can't just do all of this thought work, right? And be like, okay, when I go to interview with such and such a company, it's gonna be my chance to practice. You need to practice a whole heck of a lot before that. You need to practice by yourself. You need to practice with a trusted colleague or critical friend. and and someone who is going to be able to give you some kind of feedback in terms of how you are telling that story. Because if you don't tell your story well, how are people really going to know about you? Interviews are all about building a relationship. In the 10 pet peeves that I described for you today... All of these things are things that could potentially damage or harm that relationship. Building a professional relationship in an interview is an opportunity for you to see if you like them and they like you. And if your skill set aligns and they want to know a little bit more, they will tell you. And if what the company is offering and what they're bringing in terms of your professional journey is attractive and interesting to you, you will want to know a little bit more as well. Do everything you can to build the relationship with the interview team and the organization and do your best to avoid anything that would potentially harm or destroy that relationship. And if you come from a place of value and service, I guarantee you, you will do far more to building that relationship than harming it. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna chapter mark all of these pet peeves that you can go back and take a listen. But in my next episode, uh, I am going to be breaking down for you about the questions you should be asking them. There's a point in time in the interview where the hiring manager or the interviewer will ask you, what questions do you have for us? I'm gonna walk you through how to ask some of the most amazing questions to an organization and an interviewer that's not only gonna pique their interest, but it's also gonna help you build that relationship. All right, as we wrap up today, I hope this was helpful. And if you want a few free resources to learn a little bit more about this, here's what I have for you. Come inside and join my private Facebook group. It's called Your Mid Career GPS. Join a fabulous community of people who are all actively job seeking or navigating their mid career GPS in some way, shape, or form. It is a great opportunity for you to just come and network with like-minded people and learn together. So want you to join that. You can also check out my website at johnnarrell.com for a free resource I have called the 55-Minute Career Jumpstart. You're going to be amazed at what you can accomplish in less than an hour and the ROI you're going to get from just spending 55 minutes to help you address certain components of your mid-career GPS. And if you are struggling with interviewing and you have liked this arc and you would like some interview coaching or you're curious about hiring me as your coach, the easiest thing to do is go ahead and email me at john at johnnerrell.com. Happy to talk to you a little more about your particular goals and ambitions along your career journey and how I can help you build your mid-career GPS to help you either find the job you love or to love the job you have. All right. I will see you next week with another interview topic uh, episode. And until then, make it a great day. I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show and don't want to miss an episode, follow on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen, and I'd appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review. Visit johnnarrow.com to download your free copy of the 55-Minute Career Transition Jumpstart to help you start building your mid-career GPS. And don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn and follow me on social at John Coaching. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.